This week on the AEW Express, we're talking about that MJF State of the Union promo. We're talking about that huge episode of Dark. And yeah, we're going to have to talk about Kevin Owens and Excalibur. Yeah, it sounds like this episode of the AEW Express is going to rule ass. Damn, what a movement. Uh, started by the one and only Warhorse on Twitter. Uh, yeah, this time last week, I barely knew who Warhorse was, and uh, now he's like the biggest deal in wrestling. Uh, really fun episode of Dynamite last night. A couple gripes with it, we'll get to that. Um, I want to start off talking about AEW Dark, though, because AEW Dark was probably um, the most talked about version or episode of AEW Dark this week. Uh, they uh, Tony Khan announced the day before, uh, I think it was Monday, he announced that they were going to have 12 matches on AEW Dark this week. It was... People were freaked, like freaking out. People were like, "Oh my god, I can't wait! I can't wait!" Um, I was a little nervous because that's a lot of episode. Or sorry, that's a lot of matches to have on a TV show. Um, and there were some spots in the, during the show where I think uh, it could have been better. Um, but the results as a whole, let me find the results as a whole, because just the results as a whole are a list in itself. Okay, so the first match we had the initiative. That is the new tag team name of Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon. Uh, and Leva Bates, uh, they were beaten by FTR. This was a fun match. Uh, we saw Tully Blanchard watching the match again. They're, again, they're playing off that whole Tully's watching the FTR. Um, this actually was a better match for Peter Avalon and Brandon Cutler. Uh, it seemed like they have their, they're starting to get in the way, like they're starting to get the groove of things now. Uh, they got a name, The Initiative, apparently, which is, I think that's a name uh, that comes from League of Legends, I, if I believe, if I'm to believe that correctly, I'm believing that's a name that comes from League of Legends. So, uh, FTR taking on the newly named Initiative, the Initiative, they uh, win that match. Uh, but yeah, I, I was just excited to see the fact that they gave Brandon Cutler and Peter Avalon an actual tag team name, and they're not just the random two guys that are thrown together to lose to people, because that's what they were beginning uh, beginning to become, and I didn't like that. Uh, especially Brandon Cutler, I, I see a lot in Brandon Cutler. Why? I don't know. I just do. Uh, FTR shakes the Young Bucks' hands after they leave. Uh, Michael Nakazawa and Pineapple Pete. This was fun. The, just the entrance was fun here for uh, Pineapple Pete and Michael Nakazawa. You get the Pineapple Pete doing the whole hands by the... Because Nakazawa had his name on his shirt. Naka! 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 Nakazawa! It was fun. Uh, they took on Sonny Kiss and Joey Janela. This was another fun match. Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss are turning into a very, uh, like one of the more fun tag teams on AEW. Uh, this match ended with uh, Sonny Kiss's uh, split leg drop. That... That, that move looks painful every time I see it. Uh, next, we had Abaddon versus Skylar Moore. Okay, everybody's freaking out about Abaddon. Everybody loves Abaddon. Let me talk about Abaddon. All right, let's talk. Let's, uh, let me move my microphone. Let's talk about Abaddon for a couple minutes. Um, I like the look. I like the crawling down to the ring. I like the presentation. I like the branding. But where do you go from here? She's an undead zombie girl or whatever she is. What kind of stories do you tell with that? Um, everybody's oh I can't believe this is she's great all that it'll get old really fast unless they use her for more than just scaring the other female talent or male talent or any talent so we're all freaking out about Abaddon it's usually it's all this oh my god I can't believe what are they gonna do the look, a look is fleeting in wrestling a look is fleeting uh, she might have those contacts in but like remember how we used to look at Kane Kane was something like we had never seen before and now you see Kane it's just like oh yeah it's Kane It'll be, if, if Abaddon sticks around long enough, it'll be the same thing. I mean, oh, it's Abaddon. Look at that. Um, it's AEW, though, so it's it's different than WWE. Uh, that 
part of what makes this show different is the fact that I came into this not being an indie fan re- or indie wrestling fan like most people who watch AEW. I find I'm a strictly a WWE guy, and I came over to AEW as an implant because I was getting really I say implant like a transplant implant transplant. Uh, I was getting really frustrated at WWE Creative, and that's why I decided I was going to put some serious time into watching AEW, and that's what I did, and I've really been enjoying it. Um, but Abaddon feels like an, a WWE character, completely, and I don't, I don't know. I just don't see what you can do with her. Like, does she talk? Can she talk? Can she feel? Does she feel? Does she? Can she see? Can she see? Like, I don't know any of this stuff. It's good for Mystique. But Mystique lasts so long. So, I don't know what you're supposed to do with her moving forward. Is she going to just continue to scare people? Why isn't she in the Dark Order? I don't understand how Anna Jay joined the Dark Order last night on Dynamite, and Abaddon is just running around by herself. Maybe Brody Lee can't wrangle her in. So, next time I'm on Dark, that's my little rant about Abaddon. I just I, I see everybody just freaking out on uh, Twitter about her, and I just don't get it. So, and I, I don't not like her. She's a good wrestler. She's a fine enough wrestler. I just don't get the gimmick. I get the gimmick. I just don't know how it's going to continue. Uh, that's maybe um, how, how I should put it. Uh, but yeah, she and her finisher is basically a Black Widow. I think that's it. Black Widow, yeah. It's the same one as Victoria had in WWE. Uh, before the next match, we had Sean Spears taking a moment to talk about his black glove. Uh, he says he feels invincible and nobody can stop him, and it's his newfound power. Uh, it was a really good promo by uh, Sean Spears. I feel like they're kind of making him the star of uh, AEW Dark. They kind of want him to be the main event player of AEW Dark, it seems. Uh, that's just what I get. I see Spears on Dark every week, and he always kills it. So, uh, Next match was Dark Order versus Sean Dean and Will Hobbs. Sean Dean and Will Hobbs look like they could already be stars. AEW has this thing of the, even the people they have that they want to lose these matches even look like stars. It's crazy. Uh, this was a fun match. This was probably one of my, one of my more uh, enjoyable matches of, on Dark. Uh, the end here was just violent. Uh, Stu Grayson, who's underratedly uh, strong, just ridiculously strong, picks up Will Hobbs, who uh, very much kind of reminds me of like uh, somewhere, somewhere between a Keith Lee and uh, Biggie. Very large man. And Stu Grayson looks to be maybe 165, 175 pounds tops. He put that man on his shoulders and dumped him on one knee. I thought Stu Grayson blew out his ACL. That's how hard it was, hard it was to look. I'm sorry. It was just really hard to look. Uh, next match was Scorpio Sky versus Corey Hollis. Uh, this one didn't get me as, get me as much. Uh, I noticed something on Scorpio Sky's way down to the ring, and it made me think, if you're going to do records in AEW, if you're going to have, like, you know, this guy's four and two in the last in the in the last year or whatever and all that. Scorpio Sky is now six and one or seven and one, and he's on dark, not even main eventing. The records being there show us how long you're taking to build up these characters, and Scorpio Sky's already been a tag team champion in AEW. I don't think it should take seven matches for him to get to a spot where we sh- he should be on dynamite or he should at least be getting a chance at that TNT championship. It looks really strange. That a guy like Warhorse, I love Warhorse, don't get me wrong, but a guy like Warhorse, who we hadn't heard of until last week, at least I hadn't, is getting a TNT championship shot. Well, Scorpio Sky is just working his ass off on AEW Dark and 6-1 and one in his last seven weeks or so, give or take. Why isn't he getting that chance for the TNT championship? It's just a little confusing that you have these regular guys who are going on winning streaks, but they're not vying for championships and they're not doing this. I, I think there was somebody else, too, and, and I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, we need to start doing something with these people. 
like we need to start telling new stories with uh, Sheeta. I think I think Sheeta was the other one because she's got such a good record in 2020. I'm like, look at all these wins, and yet we're not telling a story right now with her. All we're doing, like, we're telling more of a story with Diamante than we are with Sheeta. That's the only thing that really got me about seeing that Scorpio Sky record and seeing that he's still on um, a Dark and he's not even main eventing Dark. So it was just a little thing I noticed. Uh, Penelope Ford defeated Kenzie Page. Didn't really catch a lot of that one. I did watch actually all of. Uh, uh, AEW Dark this week. Wardlow takes uh took on Aaron Solo. I think that's the fiance of Bailey. I believe it is. Uh, but he would he looked really good too. I think that he could be somebody. You could see him be the next, uh, uh the next wave of people coming into AEW uh to like do these dark matches. I think it was just like his first dark match. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see another one. He was really good. Uh, Wardlow got the win there, and then he continued to punish Solo, uh, who looked really good like in selling and everything like that. It was just fantastic. Uh, and then we had Best Friends versus 3 and 4, Alex Reynolds and John Silver. Again, good match, but it was starting to get a little, you know, it's a lot. Uh, rest of the Dark Order came in after the match. Uh, Best Friends rolled out and taunted them. Uh, Lance Archer came out of the ring or came out to the ring for his match after that. Uh, he came out carrying one of the crew members by his belt. He was carrying him like a suitcase. It was fantastic. And uh, his match was against Frankie Thomas, I believe, who was making his first, uh, his AEW debut as well. Again, another guy who I see coming out, and it's just like, I can see this guy on TV. Uh, but this match was hilarious. Uh, Lance Archer just beat the crap out of him. He took a little more punishment than a guy like Archer I'd like to see him take. Uh, from a guy like Frankie Thomas, who we've never seen before. Uh, but, you know, it is what it is. Not a big deal. Uh, the best part of the match for me was Archer at some point was walking around the ring and at one point just decided he was going to deck uh, somebody sitting in the crowd. And the guy standing in the crowd that he punched looked a lot like the guy who he had uh, carried out, like a suitcase to the ring. And I think it was Excalibur uh, who had mentioned that you know, if that is the same guy, that is the stupidest guy here. Because why did he get in the audience and watching this match when he just got thrown around, uh, like by Lance Archer? And uh, after I go on this recap of Dark, I'm going to talk about the Excalibur Kevin Owens things. But uh, let me just quickly go off on this for a second. Uh, next match was Sammy Guevara versus Fuego del Sol. Actually, no, that's a lie. The next match was actually Orange Cassidy versus Serpentico. Um, <clears throat> Serpentico seems like he could do a lot more than this match uh, with Orange Cassidy. Uh, seem to do for him. I don't even think we need to have Orange Cassidy on Dark, to be honest. Orange Cassidy at this point has grown his star a little bigger than Dark. I, I, I think it's great that you're having him there. You're able to draw numbers on YouTube. Uh, but Orange Cassidy does not need to be on Dark anymore. Uh, we had Sammy Guevara versus Fuego del Sol. This one was a good match. The ending of this match actually uh, uh, got me the most. Uh, Sammy Guevara got up del Sol for the GTH it was a vicious GTH, and I don't know whether it was Fuego del Sol selling or Sammy Guevara's just delivery of the GTH, but it looked painful. Uh, we had a segment. Matt Hardy was speaking to Private Party before their main event match. Uh, Matt said he's uh, he's proud of how far Private Party have come, but he doesn't want them uh, doesn't want them to let him down tonight. Uh, he's going off this whole big money Matt angle now. Uh, so I'm, what I'm thinking is, if we're gonna go on money, big money Matt, let's do it this way. We had, uh, uh, I think we had like some sort of aristocrat sort of character in TNA of Matt Hardy, but I think he should become completely obsessed. Uh, he should become like the million dollar man, but like with not, he's not playing with a full deck of cards. Uh, that was what I was thinking 
earlier. Uh, once we got to Dynamite, my ideas changed because I don't understand what happened. Uh, but we'll get to that when we get to that. But first, I want to talk about the Kevin Owens Excalibur debacle. Uh, of course, if you haven't heard by now, Excalibur and Kevin Owens, 13 years ago, around 2007 then, uh, or nearly 20 years ago maybe, at an indie show used uh, a racial slur, the N-word. I'm not going to say it here, obviously. Um, at a show. Both of them did. It was an angle. They were uh, saying the promo towards two black wrestlers, I believe. I think that was what I saw in the video. Uh, and now it had the video has resurfaced uh, this week. And we did not see Excalibur last night on Dynamite. I'm not sure what's going to happen with Kevin Owens on Raw. It's my opinion that this is pro wrestling. And I don't think it was Kevin Owens and Excalibur's idea to use the N-word in a promo. If it was, I think it was a stupid idea. But nonetheless, it was an idea. And in, you know, 13, to whatever it was, I, think I heard 13, I've heard some people say close to 20 years ago. You can tell by the video footage, it's, it's like mid-2000s at the latest. Um, but we lived in a different time then. You know, we lived in a time then where that kind of promo got a lot of heat, but it didn't cause outrage. So in that time, it was okay. Regardless of whether, you know, what the, the larger scale, was it okay or was it not okay? But at that time, nobody said anything. You know, the promoter didn't stop them. Whoever was in charge of that wrestling show didn't stop them from saying that. I haven't seen the other guys they said it to come out and say anything about it. I think that we're trying to get people in trouble for the sake of getting people in trouble sometimes especially a guy like Excalibur who you know fought for years uh, to do something with his career and now he is you know one of the most over uh, commentators in professional wrestling but people find you know stuff like this on the internet and now it's all taken away from him, all, everything he worked for, because of one thing that he didn't even... You have to think in your head that Excalibur did not actually mean what he was saying. I think you can, you can tell that by three things. You can tell that by A, it was a wrestling angle. Of course he didn't mean what he was saying. B, listen to him say it in the video. He doesn't deliver the line all that well. You could tell him and Kevin Owens were probably a little uncomfortable saying it. And three, I think we've got we I think we've picked up on the kind of person that Excalibur is on uh, commentary. And if you haven't yet, go watch AEW Dark. I implore you to go watch AEW Dark because he does amazing uh, commentary there, and he just seems like a genuinely fantastic person. And I hate the fact that you know, I hate the fact that those words were said, and I hate the fact that it was him and Kevin Owens that said them. But I'm not ready to get rid of Excalibur on AEW commentary for something like that. I think maybe there should be some punishment. Maybe they should do the same thing Sammy Guevara did. Maybe they maybe he goes away for a month, does some sensitivity training, you know, probably nothing he already doesn't know, comes back on commentary, we're all happy. And hopefully by that point, everybody who's angry about this will have calmed down. He can get his counseling and come back. Do I think he needs counseling? No. Do I think they might have, you know... Hey, Excalibur, we know what was going on. Can you just do this for us and 
you know, hopefully this whole thing blows over. Hopefully he does. Hopefully it is. Uh, so that's my analysis of the Kevin Owens Excalibur thing. Uh, last match on AEW Dark was the biggest match in ever in AEW Dark history, I would think. Uh, that's why I saved it till after my rant on Excalibur and Kevin Owens. So our final, our main event match actually was one that I, you know, if you go through all these matches on AEW Dark, you can kind of tell who's going to win and who's not. But our main event match, SCU versus Santana and Ortiz versus Private Party. Let me just say, if there's only one match you're going to watch off AEW Dark this week, watch the SCU Santana Ortiz Private Party match. It was fa- fantastic. Uh, and you honestly, it was the one time watching Dark where I was watching a match being like, I have no idea who's going to win this match. But Santana and Ortiz took it, which was kind of cool. And it made me think of while I was watching it. Uh, Santana looks like a star. I don't think those two are going to be in a tag team forever on AEW. I just don't think, see it happening. Santana, that guy just has that it factor. I could see him completely coming from proud and powerful and being his own thing. And, you know, he could change his name. He could do whatever he wants. Um, but he looks like a star. And I think eventually one day he needs to be a star in his own right. Big night on AEW. Had a bunch of debuts. Had some big moments. Had some not so great moments. We'll go through them all. We're also going to go through AEW Dark this week. I'm going to talk about the whole Kevin Owens Excalibur thing. I'm going to tell you how I feel about Abaddon. Yeah, we're going to get into Dark. Um... But yeah, good night last night. Uh, we had, you know, the old Zack Ryder come by. We had the old Cameron come by. Uh, but no, a fun show altogether. Um, yeah, before we get started today, I just want to let you know you can follow me on uh, Twitter at the Real AEW Express. If you have any questions you want to ask the show, feel free to do that. Uh, yeah, and that's really the only plug I'm going to do about the show. Um, also, if you wouldn't mind, uh, I know every podcast asks this. I'll ask it really quick. If you like the show, you want to give it a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I should say now, uh, please, if you wouldn't mind doing that, that would help exponentially. I'm making a lot of friends on Twitter with this podcast. I'm really enjoying it. So I think it's like AEW Showcase, AEW Info, and all that. All these AEW Info uh, Twitter accounts, I, I find them. I'm like making friends with them, I find. Or maybe that's just me. I don't know. All right, so let's get started on AEW Dynamite last night. First match of the night was uh, Inner Circle versus Best Friends and Friends, uh, which the friends there are in question are Jurassic Express, uh, Jungle Boy, and Luchasaurus to be uh, more specific. Uh, no Marco stunt in this match. S- technically, he did get involved, though, uh, w- which was hilarious. He got thrown. It was basically uh, War- not Wardlow. It was basically, um, oh, my goodness, what's his name? Jake Hager. Boiled Potato Man and Luchasaurus passing Orange Cassidy, or not Orange Cassidy, Marco Stunt back and forth from the apron to the floor. It was actually pretty entertaining. Um, next up, we had what I think everybody was looking forward to more than anything. The social media uh, presence of this person took uh, the whole world by, at least the whole wrestling world by storm. Uh, Cody versus Warhorse. Uh, Warhorse got a few chops in in the beginning. Uh, but it was weird because Cody's doing this thing lately where you can tell he's not taking his opponent seriously uh, at the beginning. And I remember seeing a tweet from Cody or somebody saying how quickly Cody was thinking he was going to beat Warhorse because Warhorse is just this young kid and he doesn't know exactly what he's doing yet. And it was, and you could see that on Cody's face. And I think that's what a lot of wrestlers aren't doing these days is they don't wear their emotions on their face as much as they should. Cody, when you watch Cody wrestle, there's always something going on in his face. And at the beginning of the match with Warhorse last night, it was uh, a sense of safety, a sense of uh, complacency. Cody, I think, is going to go through some... He's going through some sort of um, attitude problem. The character Cody is going through some, some, 
uh, through some sort of attitude problem. And I'm wondering whether he's going to lose the belt by becoming a heel or if he's going to lose the belt by other circumstances. I kind of have a feeling uh, who might be coming after that TNT championship next. Um, And I think it's going to be Brody Lee because we've seen Brody Lee have the world championship shot now. And last night we saw Cody win the match against uh, Warhorse uh, after he was attacked by the Dark Order which I found was really weird until I put it together that Brody Lee just might want that TNT championship. He might want, we've talked about it before on the podcast. He might want, uh, you know, a tangible piece of hardware saying I am legitimate and this faction is legitimate. So he couldn't get the AEW world championship off of John Moxley. So now he's going to go after Cody and get that TNT championship. Uh, the problem is it's not going to be as one-sided as he thought though. Cause we finally got the debut after what? Three months of getting three months ago. He was fired. He's no compete con, uh, his no compete clause is over. Uh, Zach, the former Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona, which doesn't really flow as well. But yeah, Zack Ryder, Matt Cardona showed up to save Cody from the Dark Order. And it looks like we're going to have some, maybe some Cody and Dark Order stuff going on. Maybe Brody Lee tries for that TNT championship. Maybe Matt Cardona turns on him for the TNT championship. Who knows? There's so many possibilities. I do like the fact that Tony Khan just keeps on adding bits into these stories. So we just really can't tell where we're going. Uh, the first match, sorry, I'm going to, I'm doing the same thing as last week. I'm going to rate these matches. Uh, the first match, inner circle, best friends and Jurassic express. I'm going to give that one a two, uh, two out of five. It was fun. Uh, but it was too many people. It was, uh, what you might call a clusterfuck. Um, some of the spots seemed a little too set up and took a little long to get going. So it wasn't the best match. It was fun though. And it's always fun seeing like, you know, Jericho, the inner circle, Luchasaurus, jungle boy and Chucky T and, um, Trent. So I'm not, I'm going to give it the two stars just for the star power. Uh, but the match itself was very, uh, very lacking. Uh, the Cody versus Warhorse match. Just, this is a match where I wish there was a crowd. I wish I could have heard the pop that a guy like Warhorse would have gotten from like a live crowd who had been like eating up all this social media stuff early this week. Um, so again, that one, it's going to hit the, this one's not on the wrestlers though. This one's just sucks that the crowd couldn't be there. I have to give it like two and a half. It was good. Uh, but no crowd meant it just couldn't get as invested to it as I wanted. And with a guy like Warhorse, a guy like you've never seen before on TV, you need that live crowd to accentuate them and kind of help them with the character. You know, they would think about a, what a live crowd last night would have been doing for Warhorse. You know, they would have been saying Warhorse rules ass or something like that. They would have enchanted rules ass rules, ass, you know, something like that. And it would have been even more classic. So it sucked that they couldn't be there. But um, yeah, it was a good match. Just no audience. It's happening a lot lately where these matches are getting taken away from because of uh, uh, no crowds being there. Um, we had uh, the contract signing between a- uh, AEW and FTR. This was a little strange. Okay, so FTR is signing their contracts. Arn Anderson walks in. We all know An- Arn Anderson is the the guy for Cody and all that. Does it make sense he's with the FTR? Absolutely. He was half the team that this team was inspired by in the Minnesota Wrecking Crew and the or yeah, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew and the uh, the Brainbusters. That's what this team is. That's what they want to get back to. Uh, but we did find out that they're going to have the they're going to be having an AEW Tag Team Appreciation Night. Not next week on the fifth, but next week on the twelfth. We did find out on the fifth though. Next week we're going to have a debate between Orange Cassidy and Chris Jericho. So um, that'll be interesting. But I'm really looking forward to the Tag Team Appreciation because. Uh, the tag team wrestling in AEW, uh, I'm talking two on two, not five on five, uh, has been pretty fantastic. 
And uh, it kept on going in the next match, the tag team title match between Kenny Omega and Hangman Page versus Dark Order. Uh, this was the uh, Uno and Stu Grayson version of the Dark Order tag teams. Uh, quick start. It kind of slowed down a little bit, but then it got picked up again by the end. This match had me all in. Uh, this was my favorite match of the night. This was probably four, you know, four four out of five for a match. Uh, I just kind of wish it was a little longer. I feel like we, the, you know, matches like the 10-man tag kind of dragged on where this one could have had a little more. Uh, but Stu Grayson, just a machine, especially after that match on Dark. I don't know how they tape these matches. I know last night was live. I don't know if Dark was live, but if last night was, you know, if, or sorry, not last night, but Tuesday, if Tuesday had really happened on Tuesday and then he had that match again, like his knee must have been freaking sore. Uh, but Adam Page and Kenny Omega retain. Um, Stu got knocked out of the ring and then they hit the V-trigger buckshot lariat on the on Evil Uno to secure the pin. That move still looks devastating. Uh, during this match, we found out that Anna Jay is the newest member of the Dark Order. She's wearing like the, um, whatchamacallit, she's wearing like the uh, masquerade mask, but it's black and purple. I think, I don't know if she should be wearing that. I don't know if she should be wearing a mask at all. I think they should have just changed her makeup. I think that, you know, her wearing that mask seems like, you know, well, I guess that they kind of want that. Brody Lee probably just told her to wear the mask, but I think that she should have, she should have just gone and changed her look and done some darker makeup. Um, I don't know. The masquerade mask seems a little too on point for me, a little too on the nose, but, um, that's just me. Uh, but after the match, Brody Lee chases Colt Cabana off, sends Anna Jay backstage. Uh, he choked Stu Grayson, or Stu Grayson, and uh, I don't, I don't think he hit uh, Evil Uno once or twice too. But and then he pointed out Hangman was laughing at him and said, "Oh, well, you think that's funny? Well, this isn't funny. This isn't about comedy. This is I have the Dark Order is strength in numbers, and you're gonna get yours. And eventually, that's when you saw somebody was." poking up at that point uh, behind the ring and then a whole bunch of them came up and surrounded the ring and that's when uh, FTR uh, wasted yet another what seemed to be styrofoam cooler came out and saved the Young Bucks who had come out to save uh, Kenny Omega and Hangman Page so it's basically going to be the Elite versus the Dark Order next week I'm assuming it's going to be Hangman, Kenny, uh, Young Bucks I'm not sure it's going to be Cody I'm assuming not it's just going to be the four guys uh, maybe it'll be Cody I don't know but no he's a TNT championship day I don't know uh, but it's going to be them versus Stu Grayson, Evil Uno, and I'm assuming John Silver and Alex Reynolds. If not them, uh, I guess it could be um, Alex a or Alan Angels and oh, Alan Angels and who? Alan Angels and. Uh, but it was an interest. It was interesting to see Brody Lee beat up the other guys. It, they 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 really sold it well. Uh, the rest of the Dark Order leaving, and even the the commentary really sold it well, being like, "Well, who the hell wants to work for this guy? He's a, he's a freaking maniac." Now he's hitting his own guys. like, And I think that Brody Lee's one of the, if not the second best, the second or third best heel in the company. You know, I don't like Brody Lee. I loved Luke Harper. I do not like Brody Lee. Uh, and that's that's incredible. The fact that I could love one character he did so much and I hate this one so much. I think that he's being underutilized. I think he needs a title. Brody Lee, I'm really high on Brody Lee. Uh, we had the AEW Women's Championship. This was not an AEW Women's Championship match. I don't know why it's being listed like that. It was never mentioned that it was a championship match. And I would be, I would have been even freaking more disappointed if this was a championship match. Uh, so we had Hikaru Shida versus Diamante. Now, a couple of weeks ago, probably about three weeks ago now, Diamante was on Twitter saying that the women weren't getting enough time on AEW. Um, you know, you should give her 12 minutes and she would see what she can do. 
Um, and, you know, credit to Tony Khan where credit's due. Uh, he basically, you know, after that, we saw Diamante. We've seen her, what, three weeks in a row now? Uh, we've seen her take on Eva Lise on Dynamite. We've seen her now take on um, Hikaru Shida on Dynamite. She's taken on a couple people on Dark. Uh, so Diamante has uh, bulldogged her way into the conversation of uh, the AEW women's division. And I think that's absolutely fantastic. I love Diamante. Uh, I didn't at first. I didn't like the idea of her going on Twitter being like, oh, I've got no time on TV. I just thought it was somebody else whining, you know? Uh, but getting her on TV and seeing what she can do, she's a little bulldog out there, man. She is furious. She is tough. And I think she's exactly what the AEW women's division needs. It's uh, she's a she's a different flavor, man. She she does not fuck around. She is a tough looking son of a bitch. She's a tough looking son of a bitch. And I just think that, you know what? Like I want to see her have like matches with like like two minute matches with like Rache Chanel, where she can just uh, show off how physically dominant she can be. So maybe that's what we do with Diamante moving forward. She lost a match with Sheeta last night. I guess now she goes back to the line. I give her a ranking though. And I give her, you know, I give her some some matches on Dark where she can really showcase how dominant she really can be. Uh, we now have the rules for the AEW Women's Tag Team Cup. Uh, they're pulling poker chips out to determine who's whose tag team partner. And uh, Nyla Rose was back in the back room. She was uh, getting ready to draw her poker chip with, I think it was Dasha was back there with her. Uh, she pulled it out and she got purple. And Dasha told her, oh, well, somebody else has already picked purple. Your partner's already chosen. Uh, and didn't we see the the first fucking appearance in how many goddamn years of Ariane Andrews, formerly known as Cap or Catherine, my goodness, formerly known as Cameron in WWE? Uh, this sparked a little bit of a mixed reaction on Twitter. A lot of people aren't happy to see Ariane Andrews. Uh, I'm going to give her a shot, and here's why. Uh, I've listened to a couple interviews with her while she's been gone from WWE. I've heard for a bit she wanted to do a comeback I didn't think AEW would take her to be honest I did not think so but the fact that AEW did take her on must mean she's a better wrestler than she used to be how many bad wrestlers are in AEW right now who don't have some sort of significant quality that you know substantiate them being there already you know like even if you wanted to say oh a guy like Luchasaurus shouldn't be in wrestling because he's too big and clumsy that's not the that's not a fact by the way I'm just saying that as a a point of like an example um you know you could say well he's there because he's an attraction he looks different he has the mask and all that okay well arian andrews doesn't have any of that she's not different looking enough to be a star in her own right just off of her look uh she's not big she's a small girl she always has been uh but if aew decided to take her on she must have done some serious in-ring work and definitely improved i'm calling it right now that arian andrews is going to be twice the wrestler we saw in wwe do I like the move of bringing her in? No. Do I like the... Bri I, didn't, I didn't like it, no. Be and here's why. Um, you're debuting all these other people on AEW Dark and what making them work matches on AEW Dark. Scorpio Sky, again, is 6-1. and one. Most of those matches are on Dark. And Arian Andrews is getting TV time on your number one show on network television? She's somebody who probably should have gone through the Dark system. I'm sorry. I don't think she's ready to tag up with Manila. I think she could be good, but I think this is way too much too quickly. So, yes, I th I'm ready to give her the benefit of the doubt. I'm ready to see if she's a wrestler now, because she wasn't before. But this is not the way I wanted to go about it. Not this huge mat. No, sorry, this huge tag team tournament, which they've been, you know, 
putting on for you know weeks now, saying it's gonna be great, it's gonna be great. Now you put a wrestler in there that we don't know can wrestle yet. I'd like to think she can now, but it's a risky one. So at the end of the, the our main event of the night, I'm I'm going out of order and for a reason here. We had Darby Allen versus uh sorry John Moxley and Darby Allen versus Brian Cage and Ricky Starks. Uh, Darby didn't come out with his music. Uh, we found out that Darby was sitting on top, and he jumped out on Ricky Starks and uh, Brian Cage on their entrance. Uh, Moxley was basically out there watching the whole thing. Uh, this was, again, kind of clusterfucky. It was fun, but it was kind of clusterfucky. It really came to a head when um, Darby basically got pissed off and grabbed his skateboard, but this one didn't have wheels. Uh, it had thumbtacks and took it and did basically um, went to the top rope, jumped on top of Ricky Starks' back, kicked the skateboard into Ricky Starks' back, and did that move. Uh, Ricky Starks had the tacks everywhere. He was glistening. Uh, blood, he was bleeding quickly, Ricky Starks was. Uh, and that pretty much did the match in for Brian Cage and uh, uh, Ricky Starks. They did lose to Moxley and uh, Darby Allen. Uh, after the match, it was announced that Darby's going to challenge Moxley next week. They have a face-off to end the show. Uh, I don't like the idea that Darby has a, a title match against John Moxley next week. Why? Like, don't get me wrong, I like Darby. But he just came back a couple weeks ago. And now he has a he has a world championship match again. There's a there's Scorpio Skies down in AW Dark six and one, and Darby Allen's gone for seven weeks or whatever it was, and now he's getting a championship match. It just seems a little discombobulated of the matchmaking here. These matches are happening too quickly, and they're happening at weird times. I think Darby should have a title match at some point. Why don't you build it up even farther and make it a you know a pay per view match? Because I think people will watch that on pay per view. I think people like Darby enough. But then again, I'm not the one watching the demo. I'm not I'm not the demo god. I'm not Jericho. Uh, but, okay, you're going to notice that I did leave one thing out of Dynamite from last night. That was the MJF promo. Uh, that MJF promo is probably the best thing I've saw on a wrestling show in years. Uh, from a strict promo delivery point of view, um, you can obviously tell what, um, what MJF is going for here. He's playing off Trump. He really is. He's playing off Trump. A hundred percent. But he's also doing his own thing about talking how, you know, the wrestling world is getting worse as we all think it's getting better. And it's scary. But MJF makes a good point. How many times do we hear of wrestlers going down with injury after injury after injury after injury? Daniel Bryan and Edge literally wrestled so hard they had to retire for years at a time. MJF's making a good point. Moxley came into AEW and it's been hyper violence at some points. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if MJF um, uses the full gear match between Kenny Omega and John Moxley as evidence that John Moxley is not good for AEW. I wonder if he uses uh, John Moxley's match against Brian Cage as ammo, being like John Moxley's not good for AEW. He's actively trying to injure our competitors. MJF needs to come out and say it like this is pro wrestling. We don't need somebody coming to hurt people like Moxley does. Moxley doesn't care about anybody. He'll hurt anybody anywhere for anything. And MJF is MJF wants to like almost keep the people of AEW safe by taking away their favorite person. And I think it's just brilliant. The whole uh, promo last night was... Uh, just amazing the idea of the podium the flannel podium is it flannel or is it argyle i don't care what it, the argyle flannel whatever it is podium oh oh it was so good 
Like the idea that he just finds these little stupid things that no one likes and turns them into heel stuff is just so fantastic. And I, I gotta think this is this is probably gotta be the end for Moxley. Um, so now the question becomes, so now the question becomes, do you take the belts off of Moxley and put it on MJF, and how are you gonna do that? Well, I think that you have to at this point. Uh, MJF, last night watching uh, AEW, I was watching that promo, and the only there was one person I could think of, and it was crazy that I was thinking about I was thinking about Ric Flair. You know, this that promo MJF pulled last night, it, it reeked of that, like, uh, that old 80s studio vibe where, like, Flair would go off on a tangent, but, like, it was more intense. It was more uh, visceral. It was more angry. It was just dark. It was like a dark Ric Flair promo almost. And the idea that he brought reality into it, you know, war, famine, all that kind of stuff. Um, I really enjoyed that because nobody wants to talk about that stuff, especially on their wrestling. Um, and it, people go so far sometimes to actively avoid it, to not alienate their viewers. But the thing is, if you're a heel, that's kind of what you want to want. Like, I'm not saying you want to alienate your viewers, uh, but you want to make them uncomfortable. Because that's going to help the, the face that much more when they come to kick your ass. Like, this guy's making me seriously uncomfortable. I really don't care for what he's saying. I really don't like what he's saying. And then, you know, it's like, there you go. Perfect. Now the crowd's popping because somebody's coming to shut this moron up. Oh, it was just beautiful. So, but if I was booking, now if I'm Tony Khan, how am I going to take this title off of Moxley? Because I know I can't have MJF beat him clean for it. And having Wardlow um, get involved seems a little too predictable, I would think. Uh, and the ring can't be involved because the ring, we've kind of moved past uh, the AEW ring there, the AEW diamond or whatever it is, the diamond of AEW. I, I feel like we've moved past that with MJF. Uh, honestly, I think uh, the match they have to have MJF maybe needs to go extreme with it and you know the, the more I think about it the more it's like okay maybe this has got to be a simple uh, extreme rules sort of match or at least like a blood and guts match or whatever they want to call it their version of it um, I think it'd be really effective if MJF choked Moxley out and pinned him that way it also made me wonder if MJF should be bringing up the past and maybe even use it um, so at one point last night, he said uh, that John Moxley had come from a place of titans, and uh, WWE's parent company called Titan Sports. That was an aimed shot. Um, I wonder if MJF could use the ghost of Dean Ambrose uh, to get in John Moxley's head, uh, because honestly, this storyline, the way it's going, he he wants John Moxley to be you know out. He called him Dictator John a lot. He wants Dictator John to be gone because he wants he doesn't want the wrestlers to be in danger anymore, basically. You know, like, the wrestlers every week on AEW, there's something that makes me cringe every week because it looks like somebody could get hurt. MJF's making good a good point. And Moxley's one of the guys who throws himself in danger's way more than anybody. So it's crazy to think, but, like, MJF's making a really good point. And I'm wondering that maybe it's not MJF that's going to beat John Moxley at, you know, all out or full gear, wherever it is. He might try to bring out Dean Ambrose to kind of... Uh, egg him on and show him like oh like I think it'd be awesome if this thing got marketed as like a weapons match of some sort and MJF came out to the match with the wagon of weapons and beat Moxley with it the ghost of Dean Ambrose is beating John Moxley does it fit with exactly what MJF was saying last night no 
but it could develop there. You know, he doesn't want everything as dangerous to be, so do the corny children stuff that, you know, John Moxley complained about after he left WWE. I think that would be a, quite a compelling story. Uh, I need I need that wagon. I need MJF to come out with a wagon full of weapons, and they can be office weapons for all I care, or they can be stupid MJF weapons for all I care. Like, you know, if he wants to do it with, like, an exotic... If he wants to hit John Moxley with, like, an exotic 2x4, that's fine with me. Or for the most expensive 2x4 he could afford, like a $1,500, you know baseball bat or something like that i'm cool with it maybe not a baseball bat because of jericho right now but you know if he had a crowbar like you know specially made it'd have to be something like very gentlemanly or very like oh a croquet mat oh like one of those croquet mallets he needs to beat john moxley up with a croquet mallet there you go there's your finish Uh, because we know in those like extreme rules or no disqualifications, they always mention the fact that the only way this match can end is with a is when one of the uh, one of the combatants is either knocked out or not knocked out or pinned or submitted. Well, why not? What if we had like MJF choke out John Moxley with his like Argyle scarf or something along that way? You know, something that will just add some hate to it. And it makes Moxley look good because he basically fought until he knocked him out. So it's a way to keep your champion, you know, your ex-champion looking strong, and it's a way to, you know, even get some more heat behind your your heel champion. I don't think that you need to reinvent the wheel with what you're going to do with MJF, but I think you want to go a little off the path of least resistance. That's why I'm thinking about the choking thing with the Argyle scarf. Or, you know, you could even get a little more creative with it. I don't know. I'm just trying to think of everything MJF, like, his whole persona and all his stuff. The scarf's the one thing that really helps, that really, like, does it for me. Um, but you might not even want uh, MJF to win that match. You might want this to be a series. I think it'd be cool if Moxley retained it all out. Um, let's just say they start over the uh, the AEW pay-per-view calendar after that. Um, let's say that all out, he takes off that he wins, beats MJF. MJF after that finds another reason to get another title match, wins that one, and then they can have a third one where I think I want MJF to retain because I think MJF needs to hold this AEW championship for a long time uh, to give it a different feeling. Than the uh, than any you know any other championships from any other company because right now we look at the two champions we've had for AEW well they both came from the same place they both developed in the same place they both you know were on TV for a very long time in the same place uh, we need that uh, as I, as I would call it uh, AEW original to hold the belt because when you look back on this say if say if AEW does go the way of ECW and like you know in 2031 Vince McMahon buys it because Vince McMahon will still be alive in 2031. Um, I think we'll look at guys like MJF, uh, Jurassic Express, and I know they didn't start out in AEW, but we'll look at them as like the AEW originals. Like we look at the ECW originals like Taz and Raven and Tommy Dreamer. These guys will be the AEW originals. And I want to see finally that an AEW original hold that world championship and really start to let this company find its own. Because right now, um, a lot of people do complain that it's got a lot of WWE stuff going on because of the roster, but... And I think there's a little bit in that. I think there's a little bit of WWE that's still in AEW that they're shedding. Uh, but it's going to take more time. It's only been, it's been less than a year since Dynamite started. So yeah, it's going to be a little bit like WWE because it's been literally just a year. But that is going to do it for me this week. Those are my thoughts on AEW Dynamite, AEW Dark, and just AEW in general. If you have any comments, let me know on Twitter at TheRealAEWExpress. Uh, you can also... Uh, Review and comment on the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your uh, shows. I will see you guys next week on the AEW Express. I'm Reggie Brooks, and have a good week.